is going on fam i just recently got back from an incredible retreat called the rebirth retreat hosted by my dear friends sonia and lauren in cordeline idaho which is stunning but I had the opportunity to not only participate but also lead workshops in this incredible space and this video is really a breakdown of some of the deep insights and wisdom that came through in my process from experiences such as my first time doing ceremonial hape to leading a breathwork and cold cold plunge immersion in some really cold water with a number of people is awesome and then third uh, doing ecstatic dance art with pastels and a number of other experiences and, and insights that came through so check it out and make sure you stay till the end to get my number one takeaway from that experience so much love and we will see you on the other side Here we are for the recap of the Rebirth Earth Retreat of 2021. This is me a bit informal. I have some notes. You see me periodically look down. But this is, the intention is to share the things, the lessons, the knowledge that was distilled from this experience. Now, although it was a retreat and there was a number of activities that we <laughs> jumped into, no pun intended, from cold plunges to ecstatic art dance to eye gazing, fire gazing, fire ceremonies, lining up with the elements, earth, water, fire, and the air when we came in, <laughs> going through the air, airplane, phew, got past me. But I want to share what came through and kind of breaking it up day by day. So the kind of setting the context for this, so this retreat was designed around rebirth as if the, the rebirthing of who we are uh, through the shedding of who we were. So, right, getting rid of what was to make space for what is or what will be. So, the funny thing about this is that I didn't know until about 48 hours prior to the retreat that I was going to be going. I got a surprise call from Sonia, the co-host with Lauren, saying, hey, someone had to someone had to drop, can you fill in uh, to lead some workshops? So, I ended up at first, truth be told, at first I was I was deathly afraid. Like my brain immediately generated all the reasons why not. But you don't have the material ready, and that's in two days, and you got these classes coming up. Just everything that my my brain wanted to, in the panic mode, generate to avoid doing the thing. But I sat inside of the possibility of what if. So I did, and I figured it out. I moved some things around. I had some like conversations I was a little like uncomfortable with because it would require me to reschedule things, which is like I don't like to do that. I like to follow through, um, which even that was was a realization in that hey, you can make requests, you can make changes on your commitments as long as you're communicating, and communication is so important. But that immediately lunged me into I would say one of the bigger lessons that came through in this was the feeling of imposter syndrome, and specifically the feeling of imposter syndrome when we're doing something new. Which for me, this was all brand new, or a lot of this was brand new. I'd never been to retreat. I hadn't led more than half of the material that I was going to be sharing, although there were things I'd been in practice around for years. So I had the knowledge, but in terms of actually like sharing, I was like, Ugh, I got a little stuck, got a little afraid. But that showed up. And uh, oh, a couple of other things. So even prior to like getting there, was one, I made the mistake of not completing the list of things that I knew that I wanted to get done in order to like be complete. So then those things were on my mind while I was there. So then the lesson came through, make sure that you are complete before you go into the next piece. 
right? Complete this so then you can fully enjoy and experience this. And then the last thing, which I didn't realize until uh, the end of the retreat was that I never really sat down to say, here is my intention and this is why I'm going. It was mostly just get ready, get ready, get ready. But my intention was there all along and I it uh, ended up coming through at the very end, which I'll share a little bit more on. But this was just leading up and, and getting into the actual experience. So take the airplane, I fly from Orlando, get to Idaho, and we get in. Day one is air. Uh, but it was mostly just kind of getting settled in, getting cozy with the uh, the space, getting to know everyone, which at first there's, when you first meet someone, you're like only showing so much of yourself, or at least I do my best to like show as much as I can as quickly as I can, just because that sounds like a dirty joke, but that's not what I mean in terms of just like the self-expression, nipples out, whoop, kind of pull up a shirt, like, hey guys, welcome to the party. Anyway, so... Uh, mostly getting settled so we started getting everyone know everyone's name and for the sake of um privacy i'm not going to say anyone's name throughout this minus the people who hosted it because they know that they are the host and they hosted it but in terms of the experiences i want to make sure that i'm honoring the privacy of others so day two is wata i am a wata sign february pisces Ooh, water signs out there Woo -hoo. it was water day and it was a full day in terms of what i was going to be conducting in terms of like sharing material but one of the first things that we did was we had everyone come together and do a breathwork slash Wim Hof cold exposure challenge, which essentially we ran them through breathwork and then we were going to hop in the Cordeline, which is where we stayed, Cordeline uh, body of water. And it was cold. Truth be told, it was cold out and the water was cold. And for a lot of people, this was their first time. And the thing that came through, because a lot of people, it was their first time, there was a lot of fear and uncertainty. I even had one person ask me if they were going to die, which I reassured them they were not going to die. Everything was going to be okay. Uh, and what started off with a lot of anxiety for people because it's literally pushing them in a way like go jump in the cold, go jump in an uncomfortable, go jump into that unknown. There, the fear that was there, the second that they jumped in, the, the thing that I was getting them to commit to was one and a half minutes. Like, all right, we're going to stay in there for one and a half minutes. And everyone got in, one and a half minute alarm went off, and everyone was still in the water. We get to about three minutes, and everyone jumps out, but everyone's experience of themselves afterwards was drastically changed. There was more confidence, there was more belief, and now the residual impact of that is that all of these people who attended this and, and, and played this game, if you will, are now doing a cold shower challenge and they've continued to practice outside of it. And that's what it's about. It's not just, well, I did my cold plunge and I'll never do it again. It's like, no, like you take that practice and you continue to do it because of what it does for decreasing stress and inflammation, for decreasing uh, lethargic, especially in the morning, like feeling lethargic or that sleep inertia, that like bleh, being able to increase energy, vitality, focus, in general, just the ridiculous number of benefits that you're going to get from learning how to regulate your autonomic nervous system, learning how to energize your system versus when you need to relax your system and everything in between. So that was a testament to what's possible when we go into that uncomfortable unknown, which is a lot of what this retreat was about. It was intentionally throwing ourselves into spaces and activities and things that made us uncomfortable because if you're going to rebirth, if you're going to shed away those things that once were, you have to face the conditioning, the conditioned thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that are keeping you from that next level, like a video game. If you keep killing level two dragons when you're clearly level three, four, five, six, or seven, 
I don't know if you ever played World of Warcraft, but just any other games like that, but it comes to a point where you're so above that level, you can't gain any new experience. You can't go to the next level because you're still slaying demons that you've you've already slayed. And it's like, oh, I guess you're going to keep going through this until you realize that you can move on. Uh, which brings me into the next piece that really stuck out for me, which was the mental health uh, workshop that we did, which is near and dear to my heart because as somebody who has struggled for at least the the high school into college and post-college years of my life struggled severely with stress, anxiety, and depression. And knowing that every single person on the planet has struggled with at least one of these. Every single person gets stressed, that is inevitable. Some people are going to be anxious. I would say that most of us, if not all of us, at some point are experiencing anxiety. And I think that most of us, to some degree, have experienced some level of depression. Maybe not like all the way on the end where it comes to like chemical imbalances but somewhere where like you just feel stuck you feel depleted and you can't move and not knowing how to move how to move that energy when we get to those stuck places and we talked about that and of course you asked everyone to raise their hand if you experience any of these things every single hand goes up because everyone's experienced it but for some reason we don't talk about it in our common culture we don't talk about the fact that many of us are struggling in silence that many of us don't know how to walk ourselves through uncomfortable feelings so we seek comfort and then in seeking comfort staying in staying in warm and you know doing warm showers hot showers all the time avoiding the cold we wear a bundle of clothes all the time we are always seeking comfort because it requires us to expand to shed to be reborn so this process of walking people through that and sharing breathwork techniques and things that we can do to regulate our nervous system it made space for people, for all of us to see, wait a second, I don't need to have a cup of coffee to keep my energy going throughout the day. I just need to learn how to breathe in a particular way and take cold showers that are gonna stimulate the part of the nervous system that have me feel awake and alert. Hmm, that's a novel idea. There's actually things that we can do inside of our body and with our body that are not exogenous outside of us things that we have to to consume in order to get that feeling that we want feeling alive feeling alert feeling focused there are ways that we can do that endogenously through breath work through cold exposure through other things that we start to generate that within ourselves so that was really powerful to see now moving into now this doesn't cover everything that we did on day two but these were the main things that stuck out moving into day three fire i don't even you know whatever so day three was fire and uh, a few things happened here. First and foremost, this was the day where I experienced my first Hape ceremony. And it was led by someone who I love very dearly. If you're watching this, you know who you are. Again, for the sake of honor and privacy, uh, it was me and a couple of people. And it was, well, first and foremost, I'm still learning about Hape, so I have a lot more research to do. But from what I do know and understand, uh, at least what I believe is that it's it's non-psychoactive. However, it has this uncanny ability to bring you fully present, like fully into this moment. And of course, you have there's like this ceremony where you. It's very interesting. This was like something that was kind of like uncomfortable to talk about because of the the perceived like who's watching, whether it's friends, family, or what are they going to people we're going to see. But here's the reality, and here's the experience. The hape looks like cocaine, first of all. And it actually is ingested. It's brought in through the nose. So you either have, 
as I understand it, there's two ways you can do it. Either there's like this almost like wooden pipe type thing where one blows it into your nose, or you can self-administer and there's like a, like you blow here and, it, and there's like a little loop that comes into your nose so you can self-administer as well. We self-administered and uh, at first when you like, you have to like blow it in one side, or at least how we did, we blew it in one side and then we blew it in the other, kind of in a circle. And immediately you're just hit with this like, like you want to sneeze, you want like you start to, it's almost like a purging. Like you start to purge, uh, like a lot of snot and other things start to clear out. It's like you're clearing out the gunk in your head almost because that's what it felt like for me. And it's uncomfortable because it's like all up in your ish. It's really, un it's not really, really uncomfortable. I mean, at least for me, it wasn't super uncomfortable, but like it's uncomfortable. Like you, you got some stuff flying up your nose. So uh, we did that. And then uh, I chose to lay down while we had some music in the background. And I set my intention, which this was that thing I pointed out earlier. I unconsciously or sort of I was consciously but not realizing the bigger picture but consciously setting the intention to I wanted to feel because uh, a lot of my experience sometimes is I get very heady and intellectual like that's where I retreat to that's what I learned as a adaptive behavior when I was a child and went through um, I mean we'll just call it like it is uh, some kind of somewhat traumatic experience where I was sexually taken advantage of as a child and it took me many years to realize one that it happened but two that my coping mechanism because I didn't remember it happening was that it's like my consciousness the part of me that knows that I'm hearing and perceive everything else had left the room and whenever I get anxious or stressed etc my consciousness leaves or my or I trail into my thoughts because it's more comfortable to be up here than it is out in the actual feeling of it so in that moment I said okay I want to feel I want to feel into my heart I want to be here and wouldn't you know it, the most incredible thing happened, exactly what my set, my intention to happened. And I started to feel my heart expanding. I started to feel love. And I started to have these these downloads, um, which is how I've commonly heard it referred to. It's like once your, your brain is cleared of all the, the normal running chatter, it's like something, whether you call it God, spirit, Allah, however you relate to a consciousness, whatever that thing is, it was as if that was regulating through me and, and generating a new type of thought and in, in, in feeling and emotion, which was more around realizing that I am here on a mission and I might not always know the exact wording of that mission, but that this stepping into an expressing of divine masculinity and divine femininity and realizing that exists in all of us, that masculinity is not exclusive to men and femininity is not exclusive to women and that we all have it and there might be higher concentrations of it in different people, which can be a nature thing. It can also be a nurture thing, what you're born with versus what you decided as a result of some experience in your life. Um, for me, I realized that there's always been a fear around really owning leadership in that not from a braggadocious like I must lead you to go to this place but realizing that true leadership as I've come to hear it from others people who I highly respect and admire is that uh, leadership is the ability to provide a space support or instruction in some way that's helping bring that person or that group of people closer to the intended goal or intention of whether it's the group or the individual. It's being the space for that to occur and setting aside all, in a way, all egoic desire of how that is supposed to look and unfold and realizing that, okay, I've been afraid of allowing the divine masculinity to flow through me and to really own that 
because it's more comfortable to to lean into at least for me like the femininity of like okay like I know this but I'm going to kind of like sit back and observe and receive and but knowing that they're that yin and yang the yin and yang like it is the light it is the dark it is the in it is out like they are inseparable things and knowing that I am I am on a mission and I think that in somewhere deep inside that we all feel that calling to make some kind of impact uh, once we can take care of our basic survival needs like making sure like I have food water shelter like the things that I need for myself there's always that calling the next level it's like okay I've done this for me well I want to help somebody else and it doesn't have to be millions of people it can be it can be in your family it can be your local community like impact doesn't have to be big or small for it to be right it just is so um, kind of like bringing the whole hoppe thing to kind of it's I realized that bringing awareness to the part of me that wants to run to here versus here or lean into this this heart space that love that unconditional unshakable presence because love is all, love is love because love love doesn't hate love doesn't discriminate love doesn't look at that person and say you aren't pretty enough or you aren't good looking enough or you aren't tall enough or your boobs or your butt or your whatever they're not big or good enough looking or you need makeup or you need to go to the gym love doesn't do that love loves as love is because love and there might come a time or rather there will come a time or there has been times when we've experienced some kind of pain or some kind of hurt and how we respond varies from person to person but there's a what is common I've I believe is that when we get hurt we throw on guards we throw on armor we try to protect ourselves because we don't want to experience that hurt again now the thing with doing this is it blocks us from being able to fully receive that experience of love in its entirety in its totality so then there's almost like you know I'm going to I'm going to make a I have a theory and my theory is is when we are connected to love when we are connected to that that divine presence and experience of love within us we then have to find things outside of us watch right we talked about endogenous versus exogenous we seek things outside of us to fill that hole and I I've, I've talked about this before in podcasts about the difference between filling a hole versus becoming or rather remembering our wholeness and filling a hole we seek things outside of us drugs alcohol etc different experiences it can even be friends and family like things that can distract us from the fact that internally I can't sit with myself for some period of time because I'm scared or my thoughts are running whatever that thing is that is a strong distinction from remembering or becoming I don't actually think I don't think we become whole. I think we remember our wholeness which is you are being nourished from yourself from consciousness from your practices from whatever it is that you want to call it to and the funny thing is always I'm always prefacing like both sides because I'm like super science junkie and like wants to know all the neuroscience and everything but I also lean into like the the spiritual as well and and I and I have no affiliation whether it's like Christianity versus this versus that I actually believe that all of them I believe that all religions to some degree are pointing at the same thing and we like to think that we're also different and that our way is the right way and other ways is the wrong way but that to me would also be another indicator that what is missing is actually love because love doesn't care about right or wrong love love just wants 
to be love. Love is love, again, because love. Um, so I'm unattached to what belief system gets us to the ultimate realization, but what matters is that we're focused on the ultimate realization or the ultimate truth that is uh, hidden within all of this, or maybe not hidden, but present. We just haven't uh, opened our eyes to it, if you will. So I uh, went off on a, a little bit of a tangent there. I got, got, my, look, got myself, got myself lost. I'm assuming if I can bring myself back. But um, it is, it's pretty incredible what happens when we start to remember that wholeness to bring ourselves back. We don't need constant stimulation from TikTok, from drugs, from alcohol, from whatever it is to hit that dopamine system and make us feel good. We start to realize that everything that I took outside of me to trigger something inside of me, I can actually trigger within myself through practice, through through being in sacred space, through challenging myself, through throwing myself into the cold, through jumping into that ecstatic dance art, which was another part of day three, which is a good lead-in. Um, we, uh, we did this uh, activity where we came into a room and there was, if you can imagine, like big sheets of white paper that you could like draw on. And we were all given pastel um, like, I won't say crayons, but they were like just like sticks of pastel. I've never actually experienced anything like it, but essentially, um, one of our people put on some ecstatic music, and we, for whatever period of time, took these different pastel colors and through our movement and through our dance and through our self expression, painted the canvas with our self, self expression. Now, it's What's curious about this experience is that in the beginning, there's like the wanting to, to draw and make it look cute and pretty. And I think that there was some degree of that. But then at some point, it was like everyone in the room, their their natural primal primordial energy, that essence started to come out. And where we were initially in one space, we're like found ourselves dancing and bouncing and crawling from space to space expressing. Now, I realize saying this out loud from the outside looking in. That would sound like totally weird because like even like saying it out loud i'm like that's you know it sounds weird because like at least for me like i know like i wasn't wearing like a whole bunch of clothes like i was like you know no shirt on like that type of thing but like i think what is so fascinating about this is that i know if i was looking out looking like you sound crazy but in that experience what happened was is there were a lot of people naturally even myself included who get uncomfortable in spaces with cert with you know particular groups of people like actually moving and expressing from like the core like letting the energy your your core energy move you versus anxiously responding to the thoughts that are in our head and oh what does this look like or is this okay it was uh, a true testament to what is possible when we allow ourselves to be witnessed and just not care and just express from that energy inside you the anxiety melts away and once again what we come back to is pure presence and that seems to be a common theme here whether it was a cold whether it was a dance whether it was anything else it's coming back to this full presence because this is where the the energy of the experience that we are seeking is, is present which brings me to the final activity that really stuck out to me which we did a, a fire ceremony where it was two parts. First is we, we stared into fire and we really sat with fire and we kind of like meditated on the experience of fire, both in its ability to destroy 
but also to create in that the fire can burn something to the ground, but the fire within us, that fiery passion can help us to create and to move and to, uh, to energize things. So it, it's this beautiful dichotomy, not separate, totally in union because both are necessary. But the, the experience that was particularly humbling was when we did an, an eye-gazing exercise slash meditation, so, which I've, I've done this before, where you sit quite closely with the person, and you stare them eye to eye, and you give them your full presence, and what you're naturally met with, because you're relatively close staring into their eyes, is um, all the natural, the natural uncomfortable reactions show up, so the wanting to laugh, the wanting to giggle, the wanting to smile. Um, some, it's on the other side of the spectrum, it's, it's crying, but once you can allow those layers, right? It's like, it's like there's there's me, and then there's like this layer, and then that layer is some kind of trapped emotion or experience, and then it outwardly expresses some way. But when that gets melted away, and once that gets dropped, the veil gets dropped, and you're you're fully present to what is what is there. And as I stared eye to eye with the person that I was matched with, um, this is where it gets. Uh, it's it's more there was my experience and then there's what my my intuition was telling me was the um, some experience that I was sensing from the other person which I can only really speak to my experience but as I stared into that person's eyes naturally you start to look deeper and deeper into the center of the eye and at first you see them and you see their face and you see their nose and you see the different pieces of um, of their face but as you continue to look there is there's a horsefly trying to mess with me right now and I ain't having it anyway you start to to see yourself this mirror image of yourself and this it's like the experience of looking at someone's eyes you see yourself you realize I am you and you are me and we all hurt, and we all are afraid at times, we all get scared, and we all have aspirations and things that we wanna pursue, we're not all that different, even though we uh, we think that we are, because the part of our brain that that experiences the, um, the full extension of ourselves is what I can touch, see, and perceive, but those barriers quickly fade when we are asleep and we are dreaming because the part of the brain and our prefrontal cortex that's so heavily associated with our sense of identity and the experience of ourself starts to shut down. And in the same way, we see that in, in, the, in flow neuroscience that when we are in the state of flow, the part of our brain, that, that prefrontal cortex that's usually overactive, certain parts of it start to turn down, but especially the part, uh, the part associated with our sense of self. So as I'm staring to this person's eyes and the fears and the concerns of, oh, what if they see me? What if they see my pain? What if they, what if they feel what is truly there, that voice starts to turn down. And what starts to turn up is compassion and love. So for me, I'm sitting here and, you know, afraid of being seen and afraid of if, of my pain being seen. But then I start to see that person's pain, or at least what I think is that person's pain. And I realize I am you and you are me. And all of that sense of separation starts to melt away. That one 
is something that I, I still think about regularly uh, because it, it, it started to bring a tear to my eye. And that's something that notoriously I've struggled with is allowing myself to, to cry and to emote and to bleh because uh, that wasn't that wasn't what I, I learned as an adaptive behavior uh, to overcome, not overcome, but to, to healthily express those feelings and emotions. Um, but more to come. So day three, going into day four now, which is Earth Day. Earth Day, rebirth, Earth, rebirth. And here we are. We've made it to the final day of activities. Um, couple of things. So the first one is one of the activities that we did was a scavenger hunt. So we were in nature in Coeur d'Alene. Beautiful! And we were given a list of these things. Go find these things. But the instruction was go about and do this. Here is the set period of time. But, but don't rush. This isn't a competition. Just go through and find these things. Like find something green. Find something fuzzy. Find a tree. Draw an image of this tree. Feel into the experience of the tree pretty much practicing earthing, grounding. And at first, I was running with that intention to, to slow down. But then very quickly, that, that part of my brain chatter that is highly addicted to achievement and being first and being number one, and I gotta get it done quickly, I have to be the best, that one started to kick in and my pace started to quicken. And my attention to the details, to all the little details, started to turn down. Because when you're going 150 miles an hour down the road, you're not noticing all of the, all of the, the, the minuscule and minor details that are happening around you and the, the different outlines of the trees and the leaves. You're focused on not dying and focusing dead straight forward. However, when you slow down going say 15 you can start to take it all in you go from a closed focus or a single pointed focus to an open focus and those are they, they register differently in the part of the brain there's our default mode network more expensive and open versus our executive attention center which focuses and zones us in and brings us in right but when we constantly like myself spend time there we miss out on all of the the intricacies that that there is to offer as I look around my environment. I started to rush, and then I got to the part of the activity, and I'm like doing the math. I'm like, I have this many minutes, I have this many things I need to finish, I want to get it all done, and quickly realized that there was no way I was going to get that done, especially when I started walking and I got to the part of the activity where you were supposed to find a tree and connect with it, sit with it, and then draw it with detail. My brain's like, well, damn, there's no way we're going to be able to do this and do everything else. So then, simultaneously, I was struggling with the urge to want to do it quickly, but wanting to also be present. Between the unconscious, automated part of me and the conscious and intentional part of me that wanted to slow down. So I did it. And through that process, sitting with the tree, it was a rather large tree, very, very tall, I look up. And that was kind of when I drew it. Uh, 
it, I made myself look very tiny because, in fact, I was next to this tree. But I started to draw the details. And coming back now, like by the time I finished that that portion of the ex of the the practice, I came back, and I had what I had, but what I was left with was this lingering. Man, I wish I'd slow down. I wish I'd slow down. I wish I'd slow down. Which is a a common theme that I've been hearing amongst people whose work I respect and admire, who are further along in their careers, is like I was go go go, but I, you know you know I wish I I wish I'd slow down a little bit, and like really taking it all in, and like I can now because I will, but why wait until I'm in my 30s or 40s, 50s or way long after that to have that realization come through to slow the hell down? But as everyone's coming back and they have all their pieces, and we we take all the things we collected in nature. And we we surround this glass bowl that has flowers in it that we had rich, uh, originally put these different, or actually there were yellow flowers in the water. And we had set our intentions. We wanted to bless the water, if you will. So we surrounded it. Imagine this bowl and just all these different nature pieces surrounded around it. It um, I f my I could I noticed my brain was comparing what I collected to what other people had collected. And just wishing, man, if we had slowed down and really just taken it all in, like going through the whole process and then kind of like concluding that that practice or that activity, they asked us, well, you know, what are you present to? And people were like, oh, I feel grounded and I feel present. And what I was left with was, man, I really wished I'd allowed myself to slow down. And this isn't the first time this lesson has come through for me but it was another, like, it's like the universe just comes and like nudges you on the shoulder, like, hey, hey, it's like pushes you, yay. Um, and I see that, and part of the reason why I am doing this recap is one, I hope that someone listens and they get at least one thing. My hope always is that you get at least one thing that you can take and apply to your life that's gonna have a positive impact whether it's cold showers or slowing down or it's leaning into the uncomfortable or something's random that I said that I don't even remember that I said that wasn't even intended in what I was going to say. But for me, it's it's the integration. It's me talking about it allows me to remember, oh yeah, there was that and oh yeah, there was that and oh, I actually kind of forgot about that because there are lessons like this with slowing down that keep coming up because I have yet to fully integrate it. And that... I'm not going to say it's wasted time or it's bad or etc. But I I will continue to have experiences show up like this until I, I deal with it. And we all have these things. It's like, why do I keep having the same thing? It's like, well, you know, consciousness is kind of like a spiral. It always comes back around. Uh, so you better deal with it. You're going to have to deal with it at some point. Um, so I, I, I really took that to heart. I took to heart to slow down. Even now I'm, I'm constantly thinking about it. It's, there are times when we need to move quickly and with intention, and there are times when we can slow down and, and take it all in and making time for both. But for somebody who chronically spends time on the rush, 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 hurry, 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 get it, get it, get it, achieve, 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 those are the people like myself who probably need to make sure that we also woosah hard. If you're going to go, go, go hard, you got to woosah hard. And if you super woosah hard, you maybe need a little bit more go, go, go. It's a spectrum. And learning where we are in the spectrum and where we regularly spend time in the spectrum helps us to move more intentionally going forward. So, 
think that that was the, the main thing: is slow down and you know the need to achieve. Sometimes it's not about the achievement. Sometimes the, the achievement, achievement, ten points, game of score, woo, is slowing the hell down and just being present. And then the last activity that really stuck out for me was uh, kind of one of our closing ceremonies, which was a cacao ceremony. Uh, one of our facilitators cooked up some cacao and that good stuff, which I am still learning about. But the thing that I'm that I do believe that I know is that cacao is um, has a very helpful in, in stirring the opening opening of the heart, the heart space. In yoga, we call it the heart chakra. But in general, opening up the heart space. And I knew this going into it. Of course, we sat in a circle, and we just shared what kind of went. You know, there was like this talking stick. You grab the stick and you share what was something that it was deeply impactful for you um, from the experience thus far. And naturally my brain wants to have the perfect thing to say, but then I set my intention once again, which was to open my heart to feel and to, to fully give and receive love. And part of giving love for me in that moment was saying, okay, I'm not gonna go right now. I'm going to have let people go around and share what they have to say and give my love and my attention, my energy and focus on hearing what they have to say and connecting with what they are saying in that moment and nothing else. So people start going around. And I was one of the last to share and when I finally did, I shared that my intention or what I was getting out of this was how I have been for a very long time, consciously and unconsciously at times afraid to fully give and receive love. It's much easier inside of the context of friendship, but especially in intimate relationships, or even just my family, honestly, any relationship, there, there's this knowing of, I have so much love to give, and I identify as this like weirdo who just wants to express and to hug and be affectionate because it's just it's who I am, just like a big old cuddle bug. But that fear of rejection or pain or abandonment, which is something that, uh, that I kind of took along with me from a younger, younger, a younger time in my life. And... Uh, I started to get a little bit choked up because I realized that I had been blocking myself off from that full receiving, but I uh, didn't quite crack. It's like, it's like this crack, it's like waiting to like really crack open. And then the last person shares and she shares something that was deeply transformational. I wish I had been able to get permission to, to share it because uh, I think it would be incredibly insightful, but for the sake of keeping it somewhat vague, she shared that before she had ex been a part of this experience, she came in one way, which was a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of uncomfortability. And it was something that was really like difficult, almost paralyzing for her in a way, at least my experience of it was like it was, it was messing with her interactions with people on a day-to-day -day basis. And coming out the other end of it having this miraculous breakthrough and realizing that actually there are there are good safe people that I can open myself up to and allow my heart to pour out and the way that she expressed and and just in hearing it for myself I started to bawl and I think that I can I can say this without it being um outside of line but it was specifically the experience for this person was this fear of of men and realizing that there are so there is so much 
energy right now around like toxic masculinity and, and, and men, men who are doing really awful, terrible things and how there are a lot of women especially who feel uncomfortable around men and we throw around this term for toxic masculinity and in a way for a lot of men, I would say even including myself, who I do my best to be mindful and considerate of women and their feelings and, and not making them uncomfortable. It can be a little nerve-wracking when you're constantly kind of checking yourself trying to make sure, but what was shared was this realization that there is divine masculinity and that there are people who have the divine masculinity and divine femininity, not just toxic, but that that is present and that is possible. And in that sharing and seeing my fellow brothers, I realized that, yeah, yeah, I am that. And so is each and every one of my brothers in this room and this is simultaneous experience of like knowing that there is work for me for us to do in re I wouldn't say redefining but creating this new experience that knowing that there are a lot of women who, who are afraid or concerned or have anxiety or frustration towards the male energy or the, the, the masculine, the, the toxic masculine or quote toxic masculine, but that we can shine our light, the divine masculine can step in and honor and hold space and nurture and see them and not just sexualize women and degrade and hold them down. I just realized like this conversation even of itself makes me I mean truth be told like it's it's like uncomfortable because I want to I want to be incredibly mindful and make sure that all sides are honored because um I just think that all people I think that all people have incredible potential but not not all people step into that potential or do the work to, to really step into that but knowing that there's work for us to do around honoring women and also back and forth it's 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 both sides making sure that we can honor that but for me like that cracked me open like, I started crying the like, tears flowing down and realized okay like this is this is part of why I'm here part of why I'm here is to make sure that people feel safe and they feel comfortable especially going into those things that don't feel safe and comfortable but when we and not comfortable like I'm gonna stay here and get comfortable but like comfortable to go into the uncomfortable to feel safe enough to go into that scary past or experience and sit with what is there realize that we can get beyond it and we can integrate what was learned in that experience and for the rest of that evening and really even into now we're since this you recorded um a few days after the actual actually we're over a week now oh my goodness it's been over a week yeah uh I mentioned in the beginning that uh, I didn't get time to set my intention to actually like verbalize it and write it down or didn't make time. And what was ever present the entire time and I realized was my intention, whether I knew it or not, was around this idea of returning to love and returning to that heart space and allowing the energy of the heart to permeate every cell every interaction that is possible between myself other people in nature and that's not to say I'm going to be perfect or that we're going to be perfect when we take this on but that just a little bit 
making one decision, making one choice where I might normally do this, which is not in love, and choosing to do this instead of in love is progress, and that is the game. The game is in perfection. The game is progress, and we're always progressing we're, if we choose to do that work. And for me as somebody, especially in intimate relationships, who admittedly has experienced a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, has been cheated on more times than I care to admit, and has just experienced a lot of not awesomeness in relationships to be that person who's like never into a relationship ever again I'm tired of being hurt and then saying you know once you get beyond that then you get to okay like I want to open myself up again but then once the opportunity the possibility of love shows up what we're immediately met with is that fear is that what if I get hurt what if this person betrays me what if da 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 the brain creates all of these thoughts and we can very quickly very easily get lost in them and think that that is us but it's not it's it's the conditioned part of our body it's like we got stabbed and then some emotion got stored in that stab and then when something shows up as a possible as like almost like it triggers a memory in our body and reminds us of that pain like hey remember that one time you got hurt and then what i do or what many of us do is we recoil and we show up initially as love and oh my goodness I'm open but then I we people who do this I'm specifically pointing myself though retreat and pull back love or we don't love in the same way that we did or we're afraid to and we tell ourselves well you know I'm doing the work but the reality is that f fear and love at least in my opinion no two things can exist in the same space, meaning I can't say I'm in love, but, but at the same time be focusing on my fear. You, you can only pick one. Not to say that you don't acknowledge the fear, but that for me this return to love meant consciously choosing that from henceforth I'm going to do my best to surrender and trust in love. Meaning, yep, I acknowledge that I've, that I've, I've had my bruises and my cuts and my wounds and I take what I learned and integrate and I bring it forward. But when something else shows up, even, and it doesn't have to be intimate, it can, I mean, intimate doesn't, isn't, in my opinion, actually imply like sexual or like relational partner, because like I have intimate close friends, but like any type of relationship that allowing trust and surrender to love take precedence over the fear, acknowledge the fear. But as long as fear is, is writing the script, we will continue to have our life unfold in a way, I continue to live my life unfold in a way where I be, just continue to attract a lot of the same. Versus saying, I'm coming back home, I'm gonna remember this wholeness, and I will notice the next time that fear shows up, and I will let that person or people know that, hey, I'm noticing this thing, but I will choose, regardless, to stand in my truth, which is the knowing that, that I am I am that I am, and what I am and who I am is love. And that it is my job, I believe it's everyone's job here, to remember that core and to remember that love so we can continue to share with those around us because I think that's where true healing occurs. I think that's where that running from trying to fill a hole to be to remembering our wholeness comes back and we, again, we acknowledge our pains and our hurts, etc. As we don't we turn a blind eye to them, that would be naive and honestly would be welcoming a lot of the same. But instead, looking at that fear and saying, I see you, I honor you, and I thank you for doing your best to protect me because all I, I know that what you really want is to make sure I'm okay, and I will be okay, and I'm going to open myself to love again.
and that was day four, day five. Um, we drove back. I don't know if there's anything in particular I wanted to share about that. I do know that, like, I guess kind of like day five into, um, into now is the number one thing has been integration. It is the taking of notes. It's having reminders. It's noticing when we're slipping back into our old patterns and, and choosing to come back and to return, return to love, return to practice, return to, to discipline, return to virtue. Because that's when our life and the reflection of our life or the result of our life starts to be something that was curated and designed by us versus finding ourselves at the effective and saying, what was me? How am I here? Why do I, can't, why do I keep attracting the same relationships, making the same type of money or finding myself in the same unfortunate situations. No, it's life is a function of how I'm choosing to show up at all times. Here I am, fully naked, fully vulnerable, and fully alive. Well, if you've made it this far, first of all, I thank you for taking this journey with me. And I encourage you that wherever you're listening to this, that if you take one thing from this and apply it to your life. Personally, I always lean towards saying taking cold showers, but pick something. If I had to give you something, it'd be cold showers. Start, make, make a practice out of it, 15 seconds. Like this is a super quick thing. Do your normal hot shower. At the end, turn it cold, all the way cold, 15 seconds. Breathe, lean into it, do that promise you you start in 30 seconds and 45 in a minute that'll that'll drastically change your life but if you're like nah but i'm gonna tell you you should like seriously though you should or like dm me and be like i don't want to be like you got this but like <laughs> take something apply it and please reach out and connect with me i would love to hear what you got from this specifically there's one thing like tag me in it you can best way to connect with me would be at follow the wolf but the E and the is a three on Instagram. And send me your thoughts. Now, two things before we go. First is I just want to say thank you again so much, Sonia and Lauren, for making this retreat possible. The fact that it was my first and it was incredible as it was, I cannot wait. My gratitude cannot be expressed in words. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Number two, thank you for listening, for taking the time to listen to this. And as always, continue to find, follow, and live your truth and follow the wolf within you. Much love. Peace.